0: Welcome back, everybody, to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar Season 2. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Legend of Korra.
1: And my name's Todd Micah. I'm the author of the Guard book series, and I had never watched Legend of Korra until now. We've been tackling the series two episodes at a time, and today's podcast episode brings us to Episode 9, Out of the Past. The episode is written by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Gnitsko. It's directed by Joaquin Dos Santos and Kihyeon Ryu. It's animated by Studio Mir, as always. And today's episode uh, aired on June 9th, 2012. The IMDb rating for Out of the Past is 8.8 out of 10. Uh, And it begs the question, is this the highest IMDb rating we've seen so far?
0: Uh it's tied with I believe and the winner is, which is the episode where Amon uh attacks the arena. Um I believe that they both have eight point eight. Mm. Uh so yeah, these are some of the highest ranked of the season so far. Um I'm not sure what the last two episodes' rankings are yet. We'll find out next week. But mm. um yeah, I, I'm not surprised that this one's so highly ranked. I love this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, take us away with some fun facts.
0: Oh yeah, sure, you betcha. Um so, <laughs> A cut scene. <laughs> I'm so sorry, by the way, anybody listening, I am getting over being sick. So if my throat or my voice sounds weird, that's why. Um, so for our first fun fact, a cut scene for the episode involved <laughs> Lynn encountering her former subordinates in the Republic City Police Department as she was going to jailbreak Cora's friends. The police would have tried to stop her only for Lynn to intimidate them into letting her pass i'm actually really upset that this did not make it to the final episode that sounds like it would have been a really cool scene
1: <laughs> it would have been awesome
0: yeah i'm sure that you wouldn't have object- objected to that
1: <laughs> um yeah um yeah no i mean i'm just saying for sake of like uh character development <laughs> yeah, character development that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: totally <laughs> yes, totally
1: mommy, sorry
0: um <laughs> <laughs> yes um the two equalists, the, our second fun fact is the two equalists who discovered the empty tram car were voiced by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko in uncredited roles. Konietzko's character was affectionately referred to as the sassy chi blocker. I love when <laughs> <laughs> I love when like people working on the productions of shows or movies, they get to have like those little cameos or uncredited roles. It just it feels it makes it feel so fun. I'm like, oh, I love that. Um, So I thought that was just a cute little fun fact. And then our third and final fun fact is that this episode is a nod to old film noir movies, notably in Tarlock's decision to hide Avatar Korra in a cabin outside the city as as use of hidden mountainside cabins by villainous, oh my god, I can't read, by villains is common plot devices in such films. Yeah, it's very Hitchcock. (laughs) I love that the whole tone of this episode is kind of very Hitchcockian, like, um, just like thriller, psychological thriller, noir type. Oh, I love it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a real like mustache twirling, like a good old fashioned villain in these, especially with his like paper thin excuses when they're like, no, we know the truth. It's because you have the avatar. He's like,
0: what? (laughs) Ridiculous. (laughs)
1: How dare you! Ridiculous claims, <laughs> just right. like
0: just, like, just, As just I dramatically
1: explained. draw like a cloak across your face, like Dracula.
0: <laughs> yes, it's just like uh, Hiroshi Sato, and he was like, "Oh, that's ridiculous!" <laughs> like, what, what did he say that we we mentioned it in the last podcast? <laughs> um, we did. It's just so obviously evil. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh man. But yeah. uh, I will say that Tarlock went the extra mile by actually shocking himself. Like that that that's a pretty good cover up.
1: The man was definitely a theater kid when he was younger. He really, he really went the whole oh, way. He thought of everything. <laughs> He's like, I have to make this convincing.
0: <laughs> right. I've got to commit. Um so yeah, that's it for our fun facts. So what did you think of this episode?
1: So 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 i have a thought uh, generally about both episodes nine and ten but i mean like i'm gonna kind of slowly construct it i mm-hmm. think as as the thing goes on i actually have really kind of mixed feelings about this episode and, and the next one too i really really do um mm-hmm. again being a first first time viewer coming into these and, and following the line as much as i and also not having the benefit of hindsight of the rest of the series you know looking ahead mm-hmm. to it um there's a kind of a, a there's a there's a tone and a pace here in episodes both nine and ten that it's how to, I don't know how the right way to describe it. I guess the in the the messiest way I could describe the episodes are kind of things are going wrong, and even when things go right and like the heroes get little victories, things are still on this downward spiral and it it makes it really difficult to feel like the episodes are fun while they're exciting the episodes are exciting and they're dramatic mm-hmm. but like you can tell there's a real definite shift in tone from avatar into where we are in legend of korra mm-hmm. and it's just it's really hard to find the like oh wow this is fun adventure i'm just like man this is just getting worse and worse this is this episode's kind of a downer like man like the drama is so heavy and it's a good yeah. drama but it's hard watching something that episode after episode it's just it's it's not fun i don't want to say it's not fun because it's enjoyable but you know what i mean there's no real light moments in the story it's it's not a bunch of 12 year olds running around bopping villains on the
0: head (laughs) yeah no that's actually totally valid um and you're right i wouldn't fun is not a word i would use to describe legend of korra as a whole there are certainly fun episodes and fun characters but like the show as a whole every season I would not describe it as fun I would definitely say it's dramatic it's intense it is you know more mature in terms of tone um but yeah fun is definitely a word that is better suited for Avatar which is fine like there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with you know Legend of Korra not necessarily being this you know fun kids show you know I would definitely say this is more for teenagers and up um but that's personally for me because I was a you know a teenager when this came out that was what i wanted i wanted darker grittier like i was in mm-hmm. that phase where i'm like oh i'm right. you know obviously i still adored avatar it was still my favorite show but like i wanted something totally different you know i didn't right. want the same and that's what i got which is why i loved it um right. but yeah no i totally get that that it can be like emotionally draining sometimes especially if you're binge watching the show like just going through each episode like damn they just never catch a break
1: (laughs) well and on top of it it's it's the fact that you know as we've mentioned a couple times in a couple different ways the show is also working at (laughs) i've said this before it's moving almost rise of skywalker speed because it has a lot of story that they're cramming into what they assume they're only going to have one season they're only going to have what 13 episodes 12 episodes or whatever to do it in and so they're just like cramming Uh like plot point after plot point after plot point to the point that like i'm not gonna lie i looked back on my notes after these two episodes and again this is not even necessarily a criticism of the show because i understand the need for them to do it but i'm like by the time i was done with ten i was like wait what happened in nine again because like so much stuff happens in (laughs) one episode it's just chalked full and events move by so quickly they're almost over within like just a couple minutes of like mm-hmm. for example um tenzin and the chief beifong and i finally got her name right and and they're like yep. <laughs> oh we need to we need to go and we need to find the avatar we need, to, we need to save Korra," and very clearly she's being held by the equalists and they deduce in like 45 seconds of episode time where the equalist base is and then they get in it in like one minute and then they find everyone and they like defeat them all and save the cops to everybody in like mere minutes and i'm like man if only you guys were this good at finding a and his guys like back in episode three (laughs) we could have saved ourselves a lot of trouble (laughs) but like it goes at a breakneck pace right
0: yeah that's you know that's true and maybe it's just that I've seen the episode so many times that like for me I'm used to it. But yeah, I could see as like a first-time viewer being like, wow, we're really blowing past all this very fast.
1: Very quickly. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Um now, now I mean again, I don't mean to say that it detracts from the episode. For me, I don't care objectively for storytelling that's that mm, that rushed. I do like times when the show was working a little mm-hmm. slower and episode nine in particular did feel like they just had a ton of stuff to just like compact and shove into an episode. I'm not saying it's badly done. It's just like, and they had to do it, but objectively I did feel like episode nine was just a lot happening very, very fast. Um, totally fair. Now the escape is awesome. The like freeing of the cops and and them escaping the, the in the tram car and everything. I mean, that's the whole thing was awesome. Mm-hmm. But for me, and I'm sure for you too, the big meat and potatoes <laughs> the whole episode is Cora getting the flashback. Yep,
0: the bunch of flashbacks. A bunch plus. of them,
1: <laughs> yes, a bunch of them. And I yes. kind of, and I kind of don't know how to feel about them because i think it's awesome for her it's it's i'm telling you i told you i have very mixed feelings about these episodes because on the one hand i'm like man the stuff in these episodes is great like i love that like this is the story they're telling i love all the stuff with like you know um uh tarlock's tarlock's father what's his name when he was on what's the guy's name yakone yakone thank you um but like when you're with you on trial and all this stuff and i thought it was so cool just the whole situation <laughs> but like it's she's sitting in a cell and we're like it's almost like she and the writers are both stuck in this like metal box and they're like now how are we going to get the backstory out now because we've put you in a box and tarlock isn't the kind of villain that's just gonna monologue about his evil plan and why he's doing everything (laughs) and you really have no reasonable way of finding out any of this so meditate to ang and he'll just reveal the backstory i'm like ah okay it makes sense but when you stop and think about it for Mm -hmm. more than a second you're like okay we really just needed a way to get her to learn the backstory and what better way than pulp fiction reference This was divine intervention. (laughs) Right. You're saying Aang came down from heaven and gave us the flashbacks? That's exactly what I'm saying. Aang (laughs) came down from heaven and gave us the flashbacks.
0: Okay. Well, it's funny because for me, I'm not sure if you remember, but back when we were doing Avatar uh, Season 3, this was the exact complaint, complaint, quote-unquote, that I had with one of my favorite episodes, uh, the Avatar and the Fire Lord, where we're just kind of seeing these flashbacks of, you know, Avatar uh, Roku and Sozin, Fire Lord Sozin, when they're younger, but there's no rhyme or reason as to why we're getting these, we're just kind of literally anxious meditating and Roku's like, it's time you learn. And I'm like, wait, what? Yes. <laughs> why? <laughs> like, it's the exact same thing. Like, I, I adore the episode. It's one of my favorites, like I said. But the way we get to the flashbacks is so contrived. I'm like, come on. You couldn't have thought of something better to how we get to this point. Like, you know, it's the same thing. But honestly, I feel like it makes more sense in Legend of Korra, honestly. Because we've, we've heard Tenzin talk to her in previous episodes about meditating, thinking about these these flashes of the past that she's getting. Like, mm-hmm. so this is her you know, having no choice but to do that. And I think that it's, you know, rewarding to see her get some answers finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, actually taking a more spiritual I guess, like approach to finding out answers than she normally would. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, it does not, I totally get what you're saying, because like I said, that's how I felt about the avatar and the fire Lord. But for me, it does not detract from the episode, like, or at least it doesn't in any way hinder my like, Oh, I, I think that's a little contrived, like, you know,
1: (laughs) yeah, I think that what probably would have patched it a little bit more for me and, once again from like a writers writers in the boardroom standpoint i could understand why they wouldn't do this this early in the season would have been if Aang had appeared to her the way that avatar roku appeared to and was like hey it's flashback time everybody like at very least if he would have physically appeared so there was a consistency i probably would have swallowed it a little bit more but just like mm, i wonder if i think about it if i'll just like imagine the backstory. <laughs> it is a little funny <laughs> right
0: um yeah that's fair that's fair
1: but it is awesome i mean it is i mean you were saying that like it's one of your favorite parts of the episode the whole flashback so i mean like gush about it a little bit like what is that you really love about the whole the whole flashback there
0: well for me the flashbacks are not the best part of the episode they are the good they're like the second best part we'll get to the best part later um (laughs) but i do love i mean come on, it's all nostalgia, that's all it is, like, let's be honest, it's seeing my favorite characters grown up, you know, and, you know, in their 40s or whatever, and, you know, kicking ass, taking names, depowering bad guys, you know, it's just, it's like, it's like the best kind of fan service, um, and again, I've, if you wanted to rewrite it to where we didn't see these flashbacks and they found out a different way about you know amon or uh, not amon tarlok um and yakone's relationship mm-hmm. and like the bloodbending and all that like i'm sure there's a different way that they could have gone about it but this was for the fans of avatar like let's be honest <laughs> this yeah, yeah. seeing all of them together was really cool um and you know, even though he's not with us, R.I.P. my king, we at least got to see Sokka. <laughs> I'm gonna cry.
1: <laughs> we did, we got to see him. And then um, we got to see him know. be bloodbended. I'm just like, look how they massacred by boy.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I like that everybody is still pretty much like in in character that was the thing that scared me the most when i was first watching this episode when it first Mm -hmm. aired was i was afraid because i knew we were going to see them eventually and i was afraid that they were going to like either butcher their characters or they were going to have them act not in character i know that's that's basically the same thing but anyway um and so i'm glad that they were all still very much in character in the small flashes that we got to see of them um but uh, yeah, so we find out that Tarlok is the son of a criminal from Republic City named Yacone, and that is where he was able to inherit his ability to bloodbend without the full moon. And again, we don't know how Yacone learned to do that, <laughs> they never say <laughs> you just gotta like, let it go because they're which, which you're gonna admittedly, get so mad about which,
1: it. which admittedly is a little better than i thought it was going to be from the way you described it because the way you described it is they don't explain it mm-hmm. well they kind of explain it they explain it not by not explaining it but by explaining it as oh but your father had this ability it's like oh that makes sense kind of at least they explained in so much as they said that it was an anomaly as Sokka said he'd seen all kinds of anomalies in bending and that's just it right so they didn't like leave it unexplained, they just explained it in a way that doesn't explain anything.
0: Exactly. Which is why I'm like, you know what? I don't care. Like honestly, this is one of those things, like I explained no. in the last episode. I'm willing to overlook bending has evolved. Like that's that's yeah. how I see it. That that's why they're if able it's to it's good do
1: enough that. for Sokka, um, it's good enough for us.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um and so, yeah, this guy, Yukone is like crazy super powerful, uh, like stupid powerful OP. <laughs> like he's able to take out the entire courtroom, including Team Avatar. Um, and he's trying to, he's on trial for bloodbending, which by the way, his lawyer is actually really good. Like, <laughs> I remember thinking when I was watching the episode that like, yeah, his lawyer's argument of it is a mockery of justice to, you know, what, what did he say? Oh my god, I'm gonna forget it now. A mockery of justice to like commit or to claim that someone committed a crime that is impossible to commit. Yes, and exactly. I'm like, that's actually a good line. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's not wrong. Like <laughs> he's
1: out of line, but he's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> literally, yes, that's me. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, so but of course, you know, they lost the trial and Yukon was supposed to be sentenced to jail, but he got away and then ang goes super scion avatar mode and it's awesome and the theme is like ramping up and you're like fuck yes, (laughs) and then babe (laughs) yeah and we see him take away his bending which again i'm like just kill him oh my god (laughs) you're 40 years old get over it (laughs) um yeah so but anyway
1: (laughs) yeah the whole thing was the whole thing was really really good and it and it it really sort of um you know we created uh, quite a lot of intrigue there because you know it i don't know maybe this it's because of the way you foreshadow things so much or maybe i just know how how <laughs> devious brian and mike are without with their writing i'm just like this can't be the end of it they can't just like you know oh, no. get the hands on the bad guy <laughs> and then the, that that can't be y'all this guy's gotta come back this <laughs> is this is you know i don't trust anything you're literally
0: zuko out. <laughs> That can't be it where's the
1: rest of it <laughs> <laughs> i saw that gif recently online on a different totally different thread somebody used it, and i saved it so that yes. i could use that gif. <laughs> yes i love
0: God, that
1: God, i love i love being in the know with the fandom my life is so much I know. better <laughs> you have blessed right. me with this fandom Amanda. But you know, like I said, on that on that note, I don't believe anything. Part of me is like, is Yacon still alive? Did Tarlock actually maybe not have his bending taken away by Amon? Did, did we didn't we didn't see it afterward? Maybe he didn't actually. Maybe he just gave him a really hard forehead press, and that was it, just for show. Like, I don't know. Anything is possible. They've done worse to us. Like I, I just don't trust anything. Until I see the man literally weeping that his bending is gone, I'm not going to believe anything. No, I don't believe it. I refuse to accept anything.
0: Okay, but like, since we're already talking about it, this is my favorite part of the episode. Like, the last five minutes or so is just, chef's kiss. Oh my gosh. So you have, like, so after Cora gets all these visions and flashbacks, she kind of puts together everything and you know, Tarlock is like heading up the stairs of the cabin, and suddenly, without warning, Amon and his henchmen are all there as mm-hmm. chi blockers. And you're just like, "Oh shit! How did he? How did he know? Like, what? Because no one knew where Korra was. How did he know? Mm-hmm. Um, they never answered that. They just showed up. <laughs> um, and so, just pull it up. Um, and so, yeah, like Tarlock takes out all the chi blockers with his blood bending, as you do. But Aman is completely unfazed by it. He just walks straight through it, and I'm like, "Oh my God, who is this guy? What is so, this guy?" <laughs>
1: so I think I, I think I've cracked it. I think Aman is,
0: oh yeah,
1: a, a bending bender and that's why he's immune a to everyone's bending. Yes. This is this is this <laughs> is my thing. He's, he's able to bend other people's bending around himself and that's why he's unaffected by their bending and then he takes their bending and bends it out of them and that's how he gets rid of their bending.
0: <laughs> Say bend one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I have not heard that theory. I've heard a lot of theories, but not that he's
1: bendy, bendy, boom, man. <laughs>
0: oh my god, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> oh wow. So he's like unaffected by Tarlok's blood bending, and then he gets hit, or not Amon, but Tarlok gets his bending taken away by Amon, and like, I was just like, oh my god, like he just took out one of the main villains, like the secondary main villain, basically of mm. the story um like it was nothing (laughs) i'm just like damn um and then he goes and tells his chi blockers to knock out cora in the box down the basement and you know bring her to him and I always love this because this is actually really smart i don't know the science behind this and please don't go on another tangent but like
1: <laughs> um, no the science on this uh... checks out pretty good so oh, okay, yeah good. so because when they electrocute the box she has a cloth against the metal bars and using the cloth as the only thing she's touching she holds herself suspended off of the ground and away from the walls and so they think they've shocked her and she's all inside going like oh no please make it stop and, you know, and they're like obviously like harder harder, am daddy yeah and then of course she gets out which like isn't it is <laughs> not is is amazingly inept Of Amon's like Incredibly Incredibly skilled and and Genius henchmen Who like up until now like three of them Like single handedly take out Four of our heroes and now like Six of them can't Mm -hmm. stop the avatar I'm like okay they're getting tired These guys have been operating without sleep They must be on like (laughs) Red Bull's Prayer and fear right now Like they're overworked very clearly Amon give your guys a day off now And then they're slipping
0: (laughs) right Oh um, yeah oh my god i absolutely love the the little it's not even it's not even a mini action scene but just like the shot of cora you know when she's knocked out quote unquote in the box and they open the door and she just unleashes a volley of fire and earth and i'm just like oh my god that's my girl she's so cool it's
1: so good oh it's such
0: a cool like series of shots yeah and then she runs out because she hasn't realized that, like, Amon is outside waiting mm-hmm. for her to be brought out to him. And they lock eyes, and it's like, oh, this <laughs> is so bad. I know the, the Amora fangirl in me is just like, oh, they're locking eyes. It's so oh, sick. Oh, no, no, man, <laughs> please.
1: <laughs> I'm really, no. really, okay. I, I'm late onto this ship, but I'm really trying. I, I promise I'm trying hard.
0: Okay, no, no. I actually, I have, I need to tell everybody about this, because I already told you about this, but as I said in previous episodes, I am a giant shipper of Amon and Korra. Um, I've always been a big villain hero shipper, and the, one of the things that made me, aside from the show, that made me a giant Amon and Korra Shipper, or Amora is their ship name, um, is that there is this fanfic from way back when the show was first coming out. Before it even finished, this fanfic was written. And um, <laughs> it's called The Cave. And it is on the original fanfiction.net. Um, not an archive of our own or anything. Just give me this. You got to talk about Platinum for like 15 minutes straight. This is my rant now. <laughs> um continue continue um but yeah anyway so like it's basically Korra and Amon and they're meeting up to basically like join forces and take out Tarlok and they get trapped in a cave together that's why it's called the cave and they can't get out like Korra is weakened she's wounded so she can't really use her bending as well as normal and like Amon is also very weakened And so they're like trying to survive together in this cave. And it's all just like, oh, it's so good. Like, it is one of those fanfics that kind of changed my life. Like, I have read this thing so many times, I practically have it memorized. Like, it is so good. The characters are like exactly the way that they're written in the show, which is hard to do in fanfiction because they usually get, you know, Flanderized or whatever. But no, they are so in character. It's so well written, so well paced, and it's just really hot. Like, (laughs) there's a ton of like character, you know, growth and all that. But it's also a fanfic, so of course there's going to be smut, and it's really hot. So, yeah, it's it's
1: a different kind of character growth, Amanda.
0: Yes, yes, it is. (laughs) But for anybody (laughs) that's curious or like, I hopefully I've sold you on it. (laughs) Go read it. Um, It's amazing and uh todd i expect you to read it as well so I, you can I, have I, your mind
1: I, 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 I was i was supplied with this uh after last episode i think that we recorded and i haven't yes. i haven't read i haven't read it i'm going to follow the following this episode and we will see uh we will see if between now <laughs> and next episode if my mind is changed we will see we will we, yes. will,
0: we will see i'm so excited <laughs> We'll, we'll see. You it We'll see
1: if I undergo Cut metamorphosis <laughs> between the two of them.
0: Just, um, just
1: like Zuko. Just you know what? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um but anything yeah. any anything can happen but also one last thing about this it would have been a whole lot easier for Korra to escape if you would have just finished training your air Korra, cora they lift you a big air vent at the top of this metal cave you know who could have gotten out of this box ang oh
0: my god she's <laughs> trying <laughs> it's really hard it,
1: it is it, it it do be difficult it do be difficult it's hard being the avatar and having you know 75 voices inside of your head and the biggest one being self doubt it is it is tough right? it is tough but um it makes it really hard then to rate this episode as i would said because um again for me uh well, the episode has some amazing stuff in it it has you know the amazing drama of of tarlock and him capturing cora and he has her awesome escape um it, he has you know the whole start of it with uh uh with everybody going to go free the police from the from the uh, the equalist base um again i feel in my own in my own estimation like the episode again objectively for me um was a little fast paced um that some things of course as we said you know some is just very very convenient flashbacks um and so again it's really hard and i again um, and this is purely purely for myself that it's hard for me watching it when it's just a lot of really fast paced action that is just like heavy drama on heavy drama and heavy drama and heavy drama because for me there's no variation in it i need like a little bit of like room to breathe between it's like when you're at a oh, restaurant yeah. and you're not quite done eating the soup before they shove the main course in front of you and you're like halfway done eating your yeah. entree and they're like you want dessert and i'm just like buddy i'm still <laughs> eating the the steak and potatoes like it's still hot <laughs> man give me a give me a second. Um, but I don't know whether to write that off or not I feel like it is though Affecting my overall appreciation For the episode It's not as if they were rushed and sloppy mm. It's just a lot Um And that being said like I said it's hard for me to read the episode I like the earlier episodes Where things are a little simpler And not even though the drama is great Where things are a little more paced and it's, e- it's, it's it's easier For me to appreciate what's being dished out Um Mm-hmm. So my, my rating is going to sound a little bit middling because of that, but, um, my rating is going to be like, uh, 7.7 out of 10. Wow. <laughs> that's so. <laughs> I
0: mean, it's not bad, but like, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. And wow. I, I have to disclaim it. It's just that for me personally, it has a lot of things that prevent me from enjoying what's being presented just because by necessity it has to be very quick paced and, and and it hurts it hurts my ability to enjoy it personally a little because of that
0: that's fair um i highly disagree uh
1: well, yeah of course i'm not saying yeah. it's like a
0: perfect episode or anything um but i actually i think i'm gonna agree with the imdb rating of 8.8 8 out of 10. i don't think it's quite at a nine But the last five minutes would be like a 10 out of 10. If the rest of the episode was as good as the last five minutes of the episode, it'd be like one of the best in the whole show. Um, But no, I, I really do love this episode. I love everything you said. The police breakout, the you know, the Tarlock drama, the flashbacks. And of course the Amon stuff is just just kiss. So, <laughs> um, exactly,
1: yeah. you know, exa- and exactly what you're saying, exactly what you're saying. One of the things that makes it complicated, um, uh, measuring the viewing. And I mean, for people who hear, you know, for a long time, especially in the, the, uh, the end of our last podcast covering avatar, there were a lot of episodes where you and I had the very same rating. And, you know, sometimes I think we can Mm -hmm. forget how different our ratings can be, you and I, um, especially when on so many things we do see eye to eye. Um, And I think one of the things that makes it challenging, especially in the case of Legend of Korra, is exactly what you said. Every episode contains moments that are 10 out of 10 moments. Like they really do make good Mm -hmm. use out of the top. We could probably go back through all the episodes we've covered so far and find in every episode a moment that we're like 10 out of 10 moment right there. But it's just how much individually Amanda and I place importance on those moments. Is it enough that the episode (laughs) has a couple of really good 10 out of 10 moments? Or are we looking for more out of the episode than that? And that varies between us episode to episode a lot so
0: absolutely <laughs>
1: so the whole point is guys While it feels like mommy and daddy are fighting we're not okay we're just trying to decide what pizza toppings we like <laughs> best it's okay um the the next episode we is, love you all <laughs> <laughs> the next episode is episode 10 turning of the tides written by uh, michael dante dimartino and brian kanetsuko it's directed by joaquin dos santos and kihyeon ryu and beautifully animated by studio Mir um what was the uh, date I just that, this, that this episode aired this skirt,
0: it does not say that the episode <laughs> aired on june 16th 2012 i forgot to put it in my bad
1: <laughs> Way to steal my thunder there. <laughs> she, she, so sneaky she was. Know, she was like, I'm I sorry. want to save the air date this time. <laughs> I'll teach you to rate one of my thing
0: ever. I'll,
1: te- I'll, I'll teach you to rate one of my favorite episodes a whole point lower than me. The And actually ironically oh, speaking of ratings, the IMDB rating for turning of the tides is uh also again uh, a very high rating at 8.8 8 out of ten. So And I can kind of see that, too, because the episodes are kind of similar in tone.
0: Oh, yeah. And I just, I'm trying to think back to when we were doing Avatar. I don't know that we've ever had a podcast episode where both episodes that we talk about in the podcast have the same rating. I don't know if that's ever happened. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I don't know maybe the very first
1: episode with the the first two episodes of avatar in season one maybe i don't know so so hold on so i'm gonna read so one of the fun facts about this episode this is the (laughs) first episode the this and the previous episode are in fact the first two episodes on the millwood and micah discovering avatar season two podcast (laughs) where both episodes (laughs) that todd and amanda reviewed have the same imdb rating (laughs)
0: Okay, um, in When Extremes Meet, Naga was not able to carry Team Avatar on her back, but when they were escaping the Equalist in this episode, she easily carried the group without any trouble. <laughs> the uh, fun facts were slim picket.
1: I noticed that as soon as they happened.
0: Yeah, I, you know, honestly, Naga is like the hero of these two episodes, just like Appa. She saved Korra in the last episode when mm-hmm. she escaped from Amon, and now she's like getting Team Avatar out when the Equalists attack the Air Temple Island. And I'm just like, damn, my girl Naga, they did you so dirty. They never, like, Alpha was essential to Avatar. You know, like, he was their transportation. He was safety, like, and he was his own character. But Naga is just kind of there. And I feel so bad, because I love Naga. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, she's great in this episode. Um, And then our second fun fact is that Lin Beifong uses her metal bending to rip open and destroy an Equalist airship, similar to how her mother, Toph Beifong, uses her skills to bend the rudder of the Fire Nation airship in Sozin's Comet Part 4, Avatar Aang. There we go. (laughs) It was a really long one.
1: I, I really love that callback because I loved that moment in uh that episode of Mm -hmm. Avatar and so seeing it again I that hit me with the nostalgia like I with that reference there and I'm just like just like your mother she'd be so proud of you like I just (laughs) right yeah
0: yeah this is a very uh Lynn heavy episode so I'm sure you you really like that um (laughs) um, and then our final fun fact yes (laughs) And then our final fun fact is that the slow motion shot of Lynn falling to the ground after her bending was taken away was influenced by Julia's death scene in Cowboy Bebop. Now I've never seen Cowboy Bebop but I know that we had talked about it for the Avatar season one podcast um, and I think you've seen it correct? Yeah oh yeah
1: I've, many times Cowboy Bebop is by my estimation the greatest anime to ever have been made. I love Cowboy Bebop. Seen the show all the episodes like Gotcha. Times.
0: Okay, I thought so, but I again, I don't know who that is, who Julia is. I or... I, <laughs> so. I
1: I can see the comparison. I actually kind of am like I don't really see it, but like eh, playing it back, I can see how it would be influenced by it in some ways. Right. Like I I see it. I see
0: it. um So, so yeah, what do you think of this episode?
1: Man this is another episode that is just as i said it's just kind of packed like the tone and the pacing is like really packed in there but boy oh boy the stakes are very very high in this episode and Mm -hmm. darn it asami this is not the time to be getting petty about like the (laughs) fact that your boyfriend once kissed cora one time and literally nothing else happened there was no context whatsoever just get over it oh my gosh there's way bigger things happening right now like <laughs> i know
0: it's again they do her so dirty in these last couple episodes because she's so focused on the fucking like the love triangle bullshit and i'm like oh my god like i really love asami but man you're making it really hard to love her right now <laughs> just just and i oh it's so st- it's like you're literally in the middle of a war. Like, why you're being attacked? Why are we? Oh, it makes me so mad. Mm.
1: And I love especially because like there's Mako and Mako's literally like she's like oh you are pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. It's like well I don't know what in the world you're talking about. Well, I love that like the backwardsness of stuff like this and i mean this goes for like in the show but also in real life too like if take this as like a real life situation too it just bugs the heck out of me when somebody places a giant amount of emphasis on something that affects like that has to do with their significant other and their significant other couldn't care Mm. less about it And it's like, but what does the kiss mean to them? It's like, it doesn't mean, it very clearly means literally nothing to him. But the more you bring it up, the more you're going to make it mean to them because you're making your entire interaction with your significant other be about this one thing that's bothering you. Right. It's like, she's just looking for confirmation that it means something and she's just writing it and writing it and writing it. And all she's going to do is make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm like, please, (laughs) please
0: please stop. stop
1: that yeah it's so it's, annoying
0: uh, it is not a good look honey sorry no
1: it's not it's not on the other hand seeing her go all like black widow on on the equalist whenever she gets that like shock glove on is like so cool
0: oh yeah yeah no like that's when she i feel like she's taking out her frustration of mako on them because she was like not having it she took out like what five six people (laughs) like she was like i am so fed up
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and what's really funny too um this episode made me think of something here's me inserting a fun fact of my own um you know Mm -hmm. we're talking we're talking about you know references in this and being inspired by other shows like cowboy bebop for example the scene of lynn falling to the ground um The episode, actually, for me, I don't know if you ever watched it as a kid. Did you ever watch the show Tailspin? With, like, the characters from the Jungle Book, like Baloo and Louie, and they're kind of transposed into this, like, pseudo-1930s, like, action-adventure, kind of Indiana Jones, like, airplane adventures
0: i know of it i've never i don't think i ever actually watched it but i know the theme song (laughs)
1: okay so i could i could probably find a screenshot and pull it up for you but in so the so the series tailspin has a four-part pilot episode that is it's like in you know the start to the series it shows how all the characters Mm -hmm. met each other and like their origins um it's called plunder and lightning and in part four of plunder and lightning the show that the the city is attacked by an airship in the air which is the air pirates uh airship called the iron vulture and like the image of the, the high rises in republic city with Amon's airships in the air, struck for me the like the air raid sirens and stuff. Struck me the exact same thing as Cape Suzette and Tailspin under attack from the Iron Vulture, hanging in the air among the skyscrapers. I was like, I feel like I'm watching Tailspin right now. And there's our heroes like swimming up to a little dock, and like and I'm like, this is Tailspin. I'm watching Tailspin right now. <laughs> Love so that. i i can't help but feel like that was a reference too because talesman was a very notable mm-hmm. show there was like a lot that went into the production of that show they like disney took that very hmm. seriously Interesting. so yeah i also kind of thought that was cool yeah um nice to see that they finally figured out how to take out the max mako with the electricity
0: <laughs> i know <laughs> I thought of you immediately when that happened. I was just like, "Oh, Todd's gonna be so proud of you, Maka."
1: <laughs> and exactly as I said, the fire does nothing because platinum is so resistant to temperatures. Mm-hmm. Like the the fire does absolutely nothing, but like literally everything else did. I mean, obviously, it's mm-hmm. like a convention of like yeah. cartoon show fighting
0: but that like. You- I was just going to say, didn't you say something about like that it would have been like being cooked alive if they like fire bent at it? Like, isn't it super conductive or was it the
1: opposite? No, so it's not heat conductive. In fact, a platinum has a very, very high heat conduction and, um, and melting point, so you wouldn't be able to hurt it with fire uh but it's, it's very very conductive to electricity so the lightning definitely would have like cooked the pilot inside the thing like you know again popcorn in a tinfoil bag like yeah so um which i'm sure is what happened We just <laughs> didn't see it <laughs> yeah like literally all the bending is super useful right. and very deadly against these things except for fire so like mako Zap. The one, and then he's like, "Eh, shooting fire." It's like, "No, Vako, you idiot! Just use lightning again."
0: <laughs> right? Uh, where's him out. <laughs> you
1: no, know what I can't understand though, and this like bugs me a little tiny bit, is the again the metal benders are so reliant yeah. on their metal cables. Can they not metal bend other metal? Like, there's all kinds of stuff for them to bend. Like the soldiers are literally running at them in armor. Is the <laughs> armor made of plastic? They can't bend the armor. I think. Like,
0: well, it's funny because like they are. You're right. They are very reliant on using their cables, but also they rarely use actual earth bending. Like Lin does. Lin goes back and forth between metal bending and earth bending pretty frequently. Right. But like everybody else is like, nope, Lin- metal bending only. And I'm like, bro, there's like earth all around you. Use it. <laughs>
1: right exactly you could just pancake these guys like two (laughs) seconds and like you just don't and i'm like all righty then but like i said like these guys are literally it's (laughs) it's wild that these guys are like oh they're metal benders and then you have somebody as advanced as metal benders and like you you write the action scenes to nerf them when like they should everything is made of metal the weapons are made of metal the armor is made of metal there's probably sewer pipes running under the ground this is Mm -hmm. a modern city there's metal everywhere Because of the setting, the technological level that we're at now in Legend of Korra, there's metal everywhere. Like, if I was a metal bender inside somebody's house, you realize how much ammunition there is literally everywhere? There's nails holding the structure together, even. Like, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So it's wild that, like, huh, the only metal we have is our cables.
0: So, this might be a hot take amongst Avatar slash Legend of Korra fans. But I don't think that the benders in Legend of Korra are nerfed. I think that the kids in Avatar were OP. (laughs) That is my hot take. (laughs) Am I wrong? (laughs) Like, these 12, 13, 14-year-olds are taking out entire armies, literally, by themselves. I'm like, okay, I get it. But, like... (laughs) They are so OP that they make these adult characters in Legend of Korra look weak by comparison because they are, because these kids are fucking killing machines. Like,
1: (laughs) you know what? You're right because when you think about in in avatar the last airbender the regular <laughs> adults using bending are using it in like the most childish way as possible almost like a like each bender is only good at like one trick they've figured out and they don't know how to do anything else <laughs> Like, you know what it reminds me of, it reminds me of, I'm immediately reminded of the earthbenders on the wall in the episode, the drill and the guys on the wall are just like hurling boulders and I'm just like, really guys, really, really, you have no, like if you were even remotely good at your jobs, yes, thank you. Like you had one job, one job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just the one. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, these kids are like they're OP as hell
1: (laughs) they're killing machines i love how you put that
0: they (laughs) are yeah i mean absolute monsters (laughs) well okay
1: and see and that's the thing too that like that like kind of kills me a little bit too is that like ang was 12 years old and he had like one element mastered one element Mm. and ang could like annihilate like an entire crew of a ship of like the trained hardened like let's put this in real perspective for a second these are like <laughs> battle hardened fire nation soldiers these people have been trained to mercilessly scorch human beings into like well done stakes in front of their very eyes and that blink from the age of like 10 these like actual psychopaths fill like just packed onto a ship shoulder to shoulder and this like rambunctious animal loving 12 year old kid just like destroys them all without even thinking about it
0: yes yeah. Exactly.
1: Why is it Korra like that? Why is it Korra <laughs> like that?
0: There, I, I could not tell you. I did I, not write the show. I'm just, I, mean, I mean, like we've we've
1: seen the avatars like stop volcanoes. We've watched the avatars literally move an island away from another bunch of land. Like Sayonara, yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna go over here. <laughs> I, I, and is and like, eh, I can't get out of this metal box.
0: <laughs> well, again, to be fair to Korra, like, she has not, she's not a fully realized Avatar at this point. She still does not have airbending. She has not gone into the Avatar state, which obviously is a huge power up for the Avatar. And she only just... Passed her firebending exam, so she like literally just mastered. But that's my whole point: is that
1: she has like two, debatably three arts, like like bending down, and she's not even a fraction Mm. of how powerful Ang was with only one.
0: But you also have to think about. For and it makes sense that you know Aang and his gang are like the way that they are because they grew up in a time of war, a hundred years worth of war. So they had to learn to master the their element, their whatever respective element it is, um, faster and better than someone like Korra who's living in a time of peace. And it's been peaceful for over sixty years, so it is a difference in actual, you know the the. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> like, I, I know what you mean. I'll it's... let you have that one. But no, uh, but you are absolutely right yeah. though. That the kids in Avatar are super OP <laughs> compared to what they what we're seeing in yes. Legend of Korra, where everyone is basically slightly better than the um than the guys defending the walls <laughs> in the Earth Kingdom. Yes. <laughs> so yep. so yeah. Um yeah, they i don't know i i i feel a tiny bit also like we're kind of losing a little bit of like mako and his brother like they're getting a little bit like shuffled to the back a little bit we just have like a lot of main characters and we're not yeah no absolutely there's the show is not <laughs> really pairing them up really well it's like either all cora or it's like tenzin and lin
0: yeah
1: And everyone else is just kind of like, eh, they're there somewhere. Well,
0: and again, that's a difference in, I think that was intentional that it is, and you even said this in the beginning, that it is solely focused on Korra most of the time, which is good because she's our main, she's our main character. Um, While I think that yes, in Avatar, the, the whole cast had a lot better balance in terms of like screen time for characters, interactions and all that. I do like that Korra takes the approach of like focusing really like laser focusing on Cora herself. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, and I think that, and obviously with every episode, every season, the dynamics of the characters are going to change and the amount of screen time that each character gets is going to change. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, they may be pushed to the background, Mako and Bolin for now, you know, for the last couple episodes, but in season two, three, four, they get their own time to shine. So it's not like yeah. it's forever. Don't worry. Right, right,
1: right. It's just it's just so funny because, like, take for example, again, it's just, it's different, I think, than what I'm accustomed to, what we're all accustomed to, because in something like, for example, you just mentioned, uh, Sosin's Comet, um, you know, the characters are broken up into sort of ta- uh, teams, like duos or trios of characters mm-hmm. that set about doing things that they kind of get equal time. And so it is a little bit of a different format. Right um and so it's not even necessarily like a, f- a failure or a criticism of the show it's just like wow they really really decided to just kind of like okay you guys go here we're only going to focus on these like main key characters in the situation very different um mm-hmm. wow Tenson's wife having her baby like right in the middle of everything <laughs> we knew it was going to happen at some crisis point
0: oh yeah of course um but man <laughs> the baby sure picked a terrible time to come um yeah i was sure like, they were I... gonna
1: name the baby after somebody that we like knew that they were gonna name the baby like Saka or like Appa or something and then they're just like rohan they're like okie <laughs> doke sure
0: <laughs> Albus severus <laughs> <laughs> no. yes oh god yeah i, I was expecting because um, they on it the so long yeah.
1: yeah i thought it was gonna be momo i was like come on can you name him momo at least like come on us a bone here who's rohan like does this, does this have some significance supposed to get
0: lord of the rings right <laughs> yeah. um tens and Pim are big lord of the rings fans um yeah no but <laughs> lord of the rings is canon and legend of Korra. <laughs> um, but uh if <laughs> anybody be, had a copy of the
1: Silmarillion on his shelf it would be Tenzin
0: <laughs> that is absolutely true him or Genora. um but yes yeah, no that's so funny <laughs> um but no I remember seeing the episode when it first aired and I actually like I gassed I audibly gassed when because you know the main gang are in Republic City um saving Tenzin and then when he gets saved we see that one of the airships is heading to the island. And I'm like, oh no, he's going to go after the kids. Like, because obviously Tenzin and his family, well, Tenzin and his kids are the last airbenders. And so like, if you remove the bending of the last airbenders, w- what happens? Like, right, right. <laughs> do you, like, are you not able to have more airbending children? Like, I don't even know if Rohan, honestly, I don't know if it's ever, um, uh divulged if he's an airbender or not i can't remember mm-hmm. but um yeah so i was just like so scared i was like oh, not the children <laughs> what do you yeah, think the of Eagles, the children exactly. <laughs> literally um and then everything changed when the Equalists <laughs> attacked. but uh <laughs> yes and yeah. the kids all take them out Take out the equalist and the baby. Because their sons and, and... daughters,
1: the grandsons and granddaughters of that monster Aang, and in classic <laughs> Aang fashion, just absolutely destroy their enemies. There's just something about these airbenders of like the actual airbending nomads, <laughs> like blood. Like. Yeah.
0: They are, yes. They may be pacifists, but damn, they can throw down if they want to. <laughs> and. <laughs> That's actually something that I love that I feel was a huge upgrade personally in uh, Legend of Korra is airbending itself. I love seeing airbending being used like for fighting, not just for evading and blocking and all that, but like for actual offense, because it's such a dynamic element and we didn't really get to see a lot of it in Avatar because Aang was the only one that did it and he was a little kid so he wasn't like out here trying to fight everybody he was a very devout monk and all that um so I love being able to see like a full-blown grown-ass master like Tenzin like using his airbending in a super or in very super creative ways um taking out maca tanks and chi blockers and all that like it's it's really really cool and his kids doing the same thing um and and, and i think the most in especially especially
1: especially miko's jump and fart attack definitely if ang had used that against fire lord yeah. he would have just it, it, the episode would have been over in one minute
0: look i actually like milo as a character i think he's really funny um <laughs> but i hate the fart bending i'm like come on you, you didn't have to do that you didn't have to go that far with it come on um but i'm just
1: saying milo yeah, could teach a, granddaddy ang a thing or two because like yep yeah, it would have made would have, he would have owned <laughs> he would have owned the final battle completely
0: <laughs> yeah so baby rohan is born and we finally think that it's all over like they've beaten all the equalists and everything but oh no there's more on the way and so they pack up everything and basically ship the family with cora um off on oogie the the sky bison and lynn is with them and they start to be followed by the airship and so lynn being the bad bitch that she is mm-hmm. is like go on without me i'll stop them and just like annihilate this warship two of them i think actually um just like her mom did in uh you know in the finale for avatar My-
1: My favorite, my favorite moment was when Tenzin turned around and went, go off queen.
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Go off queen. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She is a, she is the girl boss of this show. (laughs) She really
1: is.
0: (laughs) She is all about her career. But
1: but unfortunately, you know, they, they do wind up catching her again with the old lightning. Like, wow okay guys like, you wow. only got one trick but it works every time um
0: yeah why, why fix what's not broken
1: almost like team avatar should have somebody sure. who does that Marco, paging Marco. uh that, that, that's your cue um and yeah <laughs> Marco, that's your cue um but then yeah sadly <laughs> she gets she gets taken then you know um and her bending is stripped away. Like, I really feel like we're just watching everybody go down between Tarlock in okay. the last episode and Lin in this one. And I'm just like, what's gonna happen when they finally do wind up defeating him? Does everyone's bending go back? Does the like all the bending energy come out of him, like <laughs> return back to everybody? How are they gonna get their bending back? Well, if he, if he's yeah. using bending bending, like I think he's doing, well, if he can bend it away from them, he can just bend it back the other way. give them their bending oh back. Perfect. He's it, just going to give like, it back. It's like, re- he's just, it's like he's reversing. A, it's like reversing a, it's like reversing a vasectomy. It's okay. And All so, right. you know, so the whole, but for me, the real kicker with well, a real kicker was at the very, very end, when the, what are they called? Are they the Global Forces? What are they The Is United they Forces. The United Forces show up. Yeah. And who better to unite them than General Iroh?
0: Voiced by our boy, Dante Bosco, a.k.a. Prince Zuko. Our, our boy! Yeah! I was Sounding so excited to hear his ex- voice. <laughs> it sounds exactly the same like 20 years later (laughs)
1: this boy is saying
0: it's like in a he's a fountain of youth like he just never ages or at least his voice ages
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean you know what's coming next which is that this episode gets an extra half a point because zuko's in it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes it's been a minute (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Dante Bosco being in it counts as Zuko being in it. So, like, it's yes. fine. It's fine. Um, that being said, I this is is gonna seem like whiplash after the last episode. Um, but I really feel like this episode really brought things to a really, really good strong climax. It didn't really feel like things were just kind of getting lower and lower and lower. And while things were still moving at a good pace, um, and, and a very quick pace, and things still had that very heavy, very dramatic feel, again. Like the show built up to some really really major climaxes as it has done before you know like and the winner is for example amazing climax show-stopping um, and the yeah. show really does keep delivering those those punches. Sometimes I feel like it like alternates. The one episode where things are kind of like, oh no, what do we do at the end? And then the next episode, it's like, bam, that's what we did. Good guys win, kind of like uh, one of the good guys died, but good guys win. Like you know, <laughs>
0: right.
1: like this sac and there's never wins without sacrifices on the show. You ever you ever realize that? Like they always lose something when they win something.
0: Oh, just just wait. <laughs> that's- oh i'm but positive they're not
1: done with that <laughs> that it's been working it's been working so far why would they stop right. um but that being the case i think i'm going to rate uh turning of the tides um a probably a strong i'm gonna say 8.5 out of 10.
0: Hmm. interesting i'm actually gonna go lower than you this time <laughs> oh i swear amanda (laughs) i know i'm not trying to do it on purpose but um yeah no i think that i would give this a solid eight out of ten because like i said it's got a lot of really great stuff i love seeing lynn um you know be a bad bitch and take care of business and of course the sad ending with her losing her bending um but for me the relationship bullshit is just so like it it's just like a stench on this episode and it takes away from what is otherwise a really fun, really tense action filled episode. And it's just like, it doesn't need to be there. It's so bad. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's bad enough that it takes two points away. In my opinion, Um, if it wasn't there, it'd be a really, really solid, maybe 9.5 episode. But um, yeah. So for me, Mm -hmm. it, I would give it an 8 out of 10. It's still a really good episode, but it'd be even better if they just cut all the relationship drama completely from the entire show, <laughs> but that's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> I really love this trend that's starting up of when you and I are rating the episodes of Legend of Korra where like I have beef with one particular thing and it stands out in one episode, and I'm like, yeah, that's really, that's really low, really low this episode, lousy. And then the next one, you're like yeah and then there's this thing that really bothers me really bad that i'm reading it really low and i'm like really it didn't really bother me that bad i just i love it i love how every episode now there's like something dramatically different in our takes from it at times so yeah so,
0: yep yep
1: it do be like that join us next time for todd and amanda <laughs> ratings wars <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. join us then
1: where we'll see what we agreed to disagree about next
0: That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff.
1: You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.